More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Happy Thanksgiving. We're thankful for you on this Thanksgiving Day for being a listener here on the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. You're listening to the best of Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. One thing that is a a constant, as you all know, that the Democrat corporate media lies to you all the time, constantly pushing an agenda. Journalism as a profession is something that People don't view the same way they used to. And that's a good thing because it really is warring propaganda machines out there. They're pushing agendas. They aren't bringing you just facts. You all know that. And and I actually saw today that the most regretted above even gender studies and sociology and communications. There was some uh, poll that was circulating some data out there this morning that the most regretted major was journalism because you know what journalism is reading and writing and communicating you're not getting a leg up on everybody else by studying journalism in school in fact i even know people who have taught at top j schools journalism schools and they will tell people quietly it's a waste of time and money don't do it but the journos clay are relentless they are true believers in their first of all it, they're they're this really noxious combination of incredibly arrogant and condescending, but also deeply insecure and aware of the fact that they're all very replaceable. So it's it's a difficult personality type to, to hand, handle, to manage. But we have yet another instance of the fake news, a great term that President Trump gave us, the fake news showing us what they're really all about. NBC News reporter Miguel Almaguer, I think that's right, was suspended over his now-retracted Paul Pelosi story. So he reported, if we all remember, remember the Paul Pelosi story that got so much attention? The guy was attacked. It was a vicious attack, but people were asking some questions. As I said, Clay, just on a security basis, how does this guy just walk into the home of, I mean, I would assume the Capitol Police had cameras. They were oh, they were asleep at the wheel. Not allowed to ask any questions, though. It was a right-wing Trump supporter they said that, it's, I mean, which this guy's just clearly completely out of his mind. 
But so Miguel Amaguer uh, reported that Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, didn't let on that he was in danger when the police were at his home right away. And so there were some questions about this. And, Clay, this is early stage reporting. I mean, think about all the reporting on something far more serious and horrific than this, like this shooting at Uvalde. Clearly. So much reporting that was completely wrong. Now, in this case, Al Al McGuire, it's not believed. He didn't fabricate it. This is just what was reported to him by by law enforcement sources, I would assume, at the time. And they are suspending him. I mean, he is getting, and this is now public, he's getting an official punishment for this. And we all sit here and go, oh, okay. So you you upset the libs, you upset the Democrat narrative in some way, Clay, or make things even more difficult for a news cycle for them, and there are professional consequences. But you lie about Russia collusion for four years, you get a Pulitzer. That's where we are. Okay. And I would just point out, they could easily have eliminated all of this uncertainty by releasing some of the body cam footage. The police officers have body cams on them. If they wanted to get the full story out there, they have the charges that they have brought against this guy. At some point, they could have just released the body cam footage. How often do you see body cam footage out there from police in tumultuous, controversial cases? All the time. And your point on Uvalde is a great one. Everything that we were told initially on the Uvalde school shooting ended up being a lie everything just about and so every reporter got it wrong because they were lied to it's really really amazing I mean this was a today show report that they pulled off of the NBC website that they took completely down and now they are castigating and chastising this reporter because he said something we still Uh, don't know 100% what the story is here because we haven't seen the full footage or the full details come out. They just, he said something that upset the Democrat Party and as a result, NBC News is saying we can't have this. Have you heard, this is just a good question for everybody out there, have you heard of any journalist at NBC, CBS, ABC, Washington Post, New York Times, MSNBC, CNN, have any journalist been suspended for any Russia collusion report at all. You mentioned this, but I mean, just one. I haven't seen it publicly that anybody the, has been suspended. The they got Times everything got wrong there. They got the Russia They gave themselves re- awards for fake, legitimate fake news. I mean, it's and all I just about think this, this is instructive. I mean, it's all about yeah, the narrative. It's, it's the just service of the narrative. We all know it. It's very obvious. We have to keep hammering it, though, because you, you should not ever lull yourself into thinking or allow yourself to think, well, maybe the journos are going back toward the center and, you know, they've realized the error of their ways. Are you kidding me? I mean, President Trump is likely announcing his run for the presidency tonight, right, to, to yes. be president for four more years. I've been saying this, as you know, Clay, and everyone listening for quite some time. The media is just waiting for this. And then all the anti-Trump machinery kicks right back into place. CNN's talking about the insurrection 24-7. I mean, this this is what... Many of them think they need really for for rating. So it's not like they've actually decided that what they did in the past was partisan, dishonest and, and wrong. But I will say on the, on the upside of things, you do have this uh, Elon Musk takeover of Twitter still playing out. There's a couple of bugs. You know, there's a couple of little 
issues here and there, just as the site goes, because Clay and I are both very active on it. Um, and this may mean that we'll we'll have a site that has true free speech and real free speech implications going into the next election cycle that we really didn't in this last one. Um, and everyone I know, I'm sure you've seen the same thing, Clay. All of a sudden, all these conservatives, you know, your your engagement's up 50 percent, your follower counts going up more than it has. Everything that we said about how they were throttling and sh- it's all true. They were doing all kinds of shenanigans behind the scenes at Twitter. The psycho woke libs were playing every game they could to help their side and make it all seem like it was on the up and up. It's a free exchange of ideas site. But this is pretty amazing. Elon tweeted out, uh, this was actually on, on November 13th, I'd like to apologize for Twitter being super slow in many countries. App is doing over a thousand poorly batched RPCs just to render a home timeline. Now, to be fair, I have no idea what that means. Then Nor do I. Yeah, I mean, like, I know, I'm not pretending to know about any of this stuff. I mean, I sometimes Carrie has to help me, like, switch from the smart TV to the old TV. You know, I'm not great at this stuff. People are like, you were in the CIA. I'm like, yeah, we had smart people who did that stuff in the CIA, too. <laughs> this guy, though, Eric Fraunhofer, responds to Elon Musk, who was his boss, apparently, at Twitter. I have spent six years working on Twitter for Android and can say this is wrong. Gets 102,000 likes. And then some guy who goes by the moniker Money Nerd Techie, who I think probably does know about this stuff. I have been a developer for 20 years, and I can tell you as the domain expert here, you should inform your boss privately. Trying to one-up him in public while he's trying to learn and be helpful makes you look like a spiteful, self-serving dev for developer. Mr. Eric Fraunhofer writes, maybe he should ask questions privately, maybe using Slack or email. And then Elon just tweets in, He's fired. <laughs> and he is. It turns out, messing with the richest man in the world, who is also your boss and the new CEO of your company, is a bad idea, wokesters. I love this. Let me also just, I said this on Fox News earlier today because we were talking about this story a little bit. You cannot believe that Elon Musk is going to have success at Twitter. But there are a lot of blue checks running around like, oh, Elon Musk doesn't understand Twitter. He has no hope. This guy is better at spin at sending rocket ships to space than NASA is. And he totally remade the way that we power cars. Both of those things. If, if, if you told me right now, Buck, like 20 years ago, hey, I think I can send rockets to space better than NASA, cheaper, more efficiently, and I can return them. Most people would say, that's a, that's a really tall order. And if you also said simultaneously, and while I'm doing that, I'm going to redesign cars so that we don't have to rely on gas and I'm going to electric power them and all these other things, a lot of people would say that's really difficult to do. Figuring out a social media app and configuring it and analyzing it and and compared to that, compared to sending space, uh, rocket ships to space better than NASA and designing cars without the combustion engine, this is not very complicated. So I'm not sure whether the business of Twitter is going to be a success because I think there are certainly bets you can place on that. But the idea that Elon Musk is not going to be able to understand the mechanics of Twitter, which this uh, little software engineer, developer, whoever he was, was sniping at Elon Musk. This is one of the most brilliant people on the planet. And he's already succeeded in literal rocket uh, ship making. 
and also now in the car business uh, by redesigning the combustion engine, I think he's probably going to be able to handle Twitter. I'm just placing my bet down on this guy can figure it out. I just also, you know, I don't do the hero worship thing, but I do live in reality. And I think when someone is the richest man on the planet because they've done the things that you've laid out there, like... Maybe show a little respect. You know what I mean? (laughs) Maybe don't be like, oh, Mr. Idiot Elon doesn't know anything about the back end machinations of the I can't I don't even know what you call this thing. The software. Once you start getting into computer science, I mean, it is a totally might as well be speaking Mandarin. I have no idea what's going on. I'm like you in terms of tech. I mean, I run a media company and uh, we've got a lot of tech obviously involved in that media company. I mean, when I want to watch Thursday Night Football on Amazon, I have to call in my wife or my kids to figure out how to get on Amazon streaming as opposed to traditional cable. Like, I hate trying to find sporting events now on my television because they're streamed so many different ways. But, but you know, I I still think I'm going to tell you this now. I think I'm going to be able to beat my kids one day in video games. I feel like... Old school Nintendo got us very primed for this. I see everyone saying, oh, they're all digital natives. I sorely mistaken. I think, like, FIFA 2035 is going to come out on PlayStation 19 or whatever, and I'm going to I'm gonna be schooling my kids. I, I think that, you know, the gap is not as big as people say. I will say they have gotten me to play Fortnite against them. They've gotten me to try to do the Minecraft building, and I grew up on the, uh, I grew up on video games. Now, you may have played video games longer than me, right? Because uh, when I started having kids, like they, they got years of advantage right. on me. Like plays, I played you, Madden. They used something school. called a pinball machine. That was the yes. that was the state of the art, you know, when Clay was coming up the ranks. I'm real. I could beat him in Tech Mobile. You know, you want to play Tech Mobile? You want to play RBI Baseball? You want to play? Uh, you want to play the old school Nintendo eight bit games? I'll wreck the, these kids. Uh, but uh, but when it comes to the modern day Madden, uh, they let Dad have it pretty bad. Yeah. Well, there you have. So it. I'm just I'm just saying that your prediction may may actually be uh, if some not if somebody if somebody gun to your head says greatest for you at the time greatest video game that you ever played what would it be Tecmo Super Bowl greatest uh-huh. video game ever created um, first one with 11 players like it's the best game ever what about Sid you Sid Meier's original Civilization for me even though now was that a it, computer game yes. Very nerdy. What a nerd amazing. you are. Best yes. game ever was a computer game? It was amazing. Yeah. I used to play as Montezuma and then just end up nuking everybody. It was phenomenal. Uh, Blades of Steel, Baseball Stars, RBI Baseball, um, the original Tecmo Bowl, all of those would be in my Contra back in the day. You remember Contra? I love the Contra video game. I also, on N64, I remember the GoldenEye video game multiplayer. Oh, everybody was, played that. was revolutionary in its time. And Mario Kart. There were some people who would imbibe illegal substances and play the Mario Kart. You say Mario, not not Mario? Isn't it Mario? You say Mario? You might have just just caught me doing the weird... I might have just pulled the clay there with my pronunciation. Isn't it Super Mario Brothers? You would say Super Mario Brothers. Is that the way you would pronounce it? it? I think you're right. I think it's Mario. It's Mario and Luigi, right? Is it Mario or Mario Lopez, for example? Mario Lopez. Yeah, so it's, it's Mario. I think. I don't know. Now you, you got just me called rattled. me. Mr. Mr. Nevada, you just <laughs> called me. All right, there you go. Nevada, I got it right. I've been I know. Now you've, right. you've tightened help. it up. People have noticed, too. Our Nevada listeners are like, thank you, Clay. Didn't help, though. And uh, Although I guess Lombardo got the win. I would have liked go. to have been able to celebrate two wins. Laxalt uh, is officially conceded, uh, by the way, unfortunately. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do is that is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Buck, you mentioned this in the open. I want to make sure I remember to hit it. So there yesterday was a front page story in the New York Times about the dangers of transgender surgeries for minors and also puberty blockers. And it's a fascinating story that they finally acknowledged is a real issue and it's a you know several thousand word story, but what I thought was intriguing was, and we've made these analogies before, and I wonder whether there's somebody like who's kind of a mole inside of the New York Times that thought to do this in the print edition. Yes, I'm an old man. I read the print newspaper. When you finished that article about the transgender uh, the, the 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 surgeries and also the puberty blockers, there was an article about a ten year old who got a tattoo. And in that article about a 10-year-old who got a tattoo, they quoted several experts as saying, how in the world could any parent let their 10-year-old get a tattoo? Kids who are that young don't have the ability to make life-altering decisions. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Yet there were many experts in the article about the puberty blockers saying, well, if a 12-year-old decides they don't want to go into puberty, we should definitely do it. And the overriding story here, Buck was that when you get puberty blockers, your bones don't develop like they normally would, and many of these kids are facing osteoporosis issues 
where their bones are brittle because puberty is when many kids, I didn't know this, but your bones strengthen to a large degree to support you being able to handle an adult body. And many of these kids getting puberty blockers are having issues with their bone strength in addition to all the issues that might arise, obviously, from changing your gender while you're still under 18 years old. So there's something you know called body integrity identity disorder which is when somebody wants to amputate a healthy limb. Yep. This is a real psychological condition. Uh, I, I believe it is still in the DSM. I think it is still something that uh, the medical community, psychiatric medical community, will uh, will talk about. There was a story, Clay, since we're discussing this yesterday, in on Vice, which is a very left-wing so-called news organization. It's like a left-wing blog. Trans people are seeking non-binary bottom surgeries. Let's talk about that when we come back. I don't even know what that means. What does that even mean, everybody? We'll talk about this in just a moment. While there was much discussion before the midterm election about issues like transgender indoctrination in schools, which they still want to do, and uh, drag queen, not just drag queen story hour, but these kind of drag queen strip shows in front of small children, you know, the dancing up on the poles or whatever, all, all this stuff that goes on. It's weird. It's inappropriate. We all know this. Well, not everybody, but everyone listening to this knows that. And this was new. I had never heard of this before. And now I want to point out this is reported on in Vice, which is uh, it's essentially like the. The the place for very far left wing hipsters with, you know, no, th- this is like a very far left wing website. I'll put it to you that way. A lot of a uh, lot of nose rings and blue hair and, you know, Black Lives Matter and announcing pronouns and get your six vac shots. That's kind of the vice vibe. So it's they're reporting on this. Trans people are seeking non-binary bottom surgeries is the story here. Across the gender spectrum, I'm quoting everybody, some patients are looking for mixed sets of genitals or none at all, and actually receiving this affirming care isn't easy. Okay, a couple things here, Clay, before I let you you get into this uh, situation. First of all, you can tell by the subhead here, the subhead line, that the problem here is, oh my gosh, We're not letting people easily get mixed genital sets or no genital sets. I want to be clear. In this article, they go into there are now transgender self-identified individuals who want surgery to have both a penis and a vagina simultaneously because that is their gender identity journey. Or I'm not even sure which is I mean, this this I think this is probably the more strange one. To have all genitalia removed entirely and have only, uh, you know, a, a urinary tract effectively in that area. This is a thing that is happening. And some doctors are being told by their patients that this is the surgery that they want. I would I would wonder within the trans left wing uh, activist community on what basis could, this is their truth. On what basis will they tell them they can't do this? Yeah, this is all crazy. Um, And my general belief is if you're over 18 years old and you want to make crazy choices for yourself, you can do it 
I, I think it's unlikely to lead to you being happier. I think many of these people are psychologically broken and they feel like they need to take grave action in order to make themselves happy. And I suspect very often after all these surgeries, they think, oh, if I just did this, I would be happy if I just fed. And then they aren't right. But this is next level crazy. This is just at some point there is a difference between, I mean, the analogy on Halloween, which is. If your kid dresses up like a Cowboys and Indians, then it's totally unacceptable. But if an adult decides that they want to change their gender and they demand that you use the pronouns of their choice, it's permissible. The, the line, I think Matt Walsh had it in his, in his What is a Woman uh, piece, which I thought was really good, is you don't get to pick your adjectives, right? So take away the pronoun thing. Like, I'm going to share my pronouns with you or whatever else. Look, I don't get to say you can only refer to me as handsome. You can only refer to me as brilliant. You can only refer to me as a genius. Like, you, everybody out there can make their own determinations about how you see me or you or anyone else. This idea that you can demand your pronouns is is crazy. And I don't know where the trans agenda goes, but it feels like many people increasingly are saying, hey... You wanted to change your gender or whatever, but you, you, you've gone off the crazy train now. So, so, so what would be fascinating to me, and remember, we, we, we can call this, and I do think this is mental illness. I'm not a doctor, but I, I, would, I would make the argument as a layperson that that's what's going on here. Um, that, that, Clay, what we, it keeps getting crazier and they don't stop. I think we need to be very cognizant of that, meaning that the more, you know, it was, oh, just use my pronouns. And now it's, Oh, I get to compete against the opposite gender and use their locker rooms or else you're a bigot. And the Biden administration, by the way, may go back to giving Title IX protection to transgender athletes, which means the whole thing then is is just a free for all for anybody who wants to compete against the other gender. You have people demanding that they are put in a woman's prison, even if they are a man with a penis. They just say, I'm a woman, so put me in the woman's prison. It keeps getting crazier. This is the nature of this movement, of this situation. It never stops. And this is Oh, and I would say the most recent manifestation we have seen is the we got to get the kids to do this. We got to get 12 year olds to take the puberty. You know, that's the that's. And now a level beyond that is individuals who are saying, I want to have no genitalia. I have a right to have a medical professional. Remember, this is a serious surgery with all kinds of com. I mean, you're not, you know, this is not a, uh, this is not growing your hair out and putting on lipstick. I mean, this is something you got to be put on general anesthesia. You got to have a surgeon, all this stuff. They want doctors to remove all genitals. So sort of like, you know, Ken and Barbie doll situation yeah. here. That is what they are demanding. And what's fascinating is that they're getting pushback from within the trans community, according to this article, for making it seem too crazy that's what's so interesting so finally wokeness has now turned on wokeness and they're trying to figure out can we make this next step happen i'm gonna tell you something they're gonna keep pushing this you know what they tried for a little there are a couple of articles one thing they tried for a little while is um you are a bigot if you are a man who is not attracted to a trans female because trans women are women you're a bigot they actually like huffington post had some articles about this that didn't work I think they're going to try this one next, which is that, hey, if you want to have both sets, so to speak, it's fine. It's fine. And, and by the way, Joe works. Biden will have some influencer to the White House and he'll say, oh, God bless you. You know, you got the two sets. He's fine with this. 
the White House goes along with all of this. I just don't know where we go from here. I, I almost, by the way, Clay almost flabbergasted with this one, which I've almost never seen. Before. I can, this I can is... barely speak. I, I just, when you told me about this, like basically the way to think of it is like if you've ever seen a Barbie doll or a Ken doll, people are just wiping their entire genitals out. I don't even know. Like this is clearly can, can, psychological. Can be... Like they're, of they, they are like clearly like. It, mentally ill, right? B- body identity integrity disorder is something that the that people that are critical of the trans agenda and activism have been bringing up for years because people realize that you're asking a surgeon to I don't like my left arm, remove my left arm. That is essentially, you know, boiled down what we're talking about here. This is that now, basically. Remove everything down there. This is body integrity identity disorder, which the trans activist community was always saying, well, we would that, that's totally different. This is about living your truth. Eh, it's actually not that different. It's just crazy. And I don't know how we get back to not being crazy. Honestly, spend a lot of time thinking about that. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the one hand, I'm encouraged when people of the left start to speak out about reality. On the other hand, I also remember that they pushed the culture and and the media to the point where 
Now, unreality is fashionable and actually mandatory in so many ways. You see in the Atlantic, they're saying, you know, there's really not clear evidence that Men are stronger and faster than women. I, for I, athletic I saw purposes. that. And I, I couldn't believe that. I mean, was real. I, they, they folks, they're they're crazy. I mean, they, they are zealots of lunacy, and this is what is mandatory now on the left. Uh, but anyway, Bill Maher over on his show, and I think at some level this is driven by he's frustrated that he's not allowed to really be a comedian anymore. At least not a not really right. I mean, he can make certain jokes and ha ha, you know, Donald Trump ha ha, but you can't really push boundaries very much. And on the historical stuff, we were just talking, I was talking about the Guns of August um, and the funeral of King Edward VII in 1910. And I'm sure we could go through all the assembled monarchs of Europe who were there and find that a lot of them were insufficiently devoted to LGBTQ plus rights. Uh, A lot of them were insufficiently woke in one way or another. But that would be a bizarre exercise, really. Like, what's the point of it? Presentism is what Bill Maher calls this. A phenomenon of judging everything in history by the standards of today. Here's what he How said. we teach our kids history has become a big controversy these days with liberals accusing conservatives of wanting to whitewash the past. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes they do. But plenty of liberals also want to abuse history to control the present. And last month, a scholar named James Sweet caught hell for calling them out for doing just that. He criticized the phenomenon known as presentism, which means judging everyone in the past by the standards of the present. It's the belief that people who lived 100 or 500 or 1,000 years ago really should have known better. On the one hand, Clay, we can talk about just the uh, the way that this is. It's absurd and makes no sense because what are the outer limits of it? But I think it's really more to the point for everyone to know this is just about power and it's actually about controlling the present. It is effectively creating narratives meant to destroy so much of what our society is built on historically and our understandings of how we got to where we are and replace it with something else. If you can destroy the moral legitimacy of the men who created the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, then you can say the Constitution doesn't speak for America today. And you can demand that all of the foundational elements of American uh, democracy are illegitimate. And it's, it's, it's wild to me that Mayor Muriel Bowser, who we'll talk about in a minute in Washington, D.C., she endorsed the idea of renaming, I believe, Washington, D.C., and the idea of tearing down the Jefferson Memorial as well as potentially the Washington Monument over the fact that both of those Virginians owned slaves in their era. And maybe we can grab the the part of Bill Maher's uh, monologue, which I thought was really good. We have created this world in America today, which is founded through the 1619 Project, which the New York Times has put all their power behind as if America was the only place that ever had slaves and that slavery didn't exist anywhere else in the history of the world when the reality is every single person listening to us right now at some point in time had ancestors who were slaves. That is 100% true. Now, I'm not saying that they were slaves in the United States or in the United States colonies, but 
every single person listening to us right now, if you go far enough back, has ancestors who were slaves at some point in world history because slavery was everywhere. Every single society practiced it. I mean, read the Bible. The Bible, as Bill Maher points out, discusses slavery all the time. It was commonplace that if your tribe defeated another tribe, you killed most of the men or made them slaves and took the women and children into your own tribe. That existed everywhere. That existed in Native American culture where everybody wants to pretend was like this bucolic, without flaw uh, country here at landmass before Europeans arrived. The term, so the term slave, this, we believe, yeah. comes from Eastern Europe and Slavs because of the Muslim slave trade, which involved a lot of white Christian Europeans enslaved over a period of centuries, which is often not talked about today. The Muslim, the, the Barbary Corsairs of North Africa went as far as Ireland and actually Iceland, believe it or not, on slave raiding missions. And they took people, they took the women for harems and the men, not to keep them for long periods of time. It was to have them run uh, or the ships of galleys where they would die essentially at the oar or they'd put them in mines where the conditions were so horrific that they would die. And they just kept a steady stream of people to come in and die in North Africa, a few million people over a few centuries. No one talks, in even in the 1619 Project, about the fact that the African slaves were being initially enslaved by other Africans uh, who were then taking the people that they had enslaved and selling them into the transatlantic slave trade. But it's as if those people don't exist. Maybe we'll grab that short period, because you're exactly right. But Bill Maher basically talks about that in his monologue, The Legacy of Slavery, We've descended it to the point where the United States, according to left-wingers, is the only place that has ever had slavery and that that original sin is such a stain upon this society that there is no legitimacy rooted anywhere in our historical past. It's a lie, but it's a powerful lie, and it's one that needs to be refuted on the historical record. And one of the things that has become paramount is the idea that the United States is a horrible racist country and therefore has no legitimacy behind its government. Buck and I talked about this, I believe, to finish off the hour today about the history of slavery and the fact that it existed everywhere. Bill Maher did a good job in his monologue. Listen to this. Everybody who could afford one had a slave, including people of color. The way people talk about slavery these days, you'd think it was a uniquely American thing that we invented in 1619. But slavery throughout history has been the rule, not the exception. The Sumerians, the Egyptians, the Greeks, Romans, the Arabs, British, the early Americans. The Holy Bible is practically an owner's manual for slaveholders. The word slave comes from Slav. Because so many Slavic people were enslaved, and they're as white as the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> Who do you think gathered the slaves from the interior of Africa to sell to slave traders? Africans who also kept their own slaves. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Humans are not good people. All right, so but, that's a pretty good history of slavery. I, I didn't know about it. He went into the etymology of the word slave there, but yes, that, yeah. that is... Um, it, 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 you know, he left out the Aztec Empire, which was when Cortez arrived, 
uh, oh, built yeah. not only upon mass slavery, but also mass human sacrifice, including the human sacrifice of children who were slaves by taken as slaves and then sacrificed in the most gruesome ways. But, you know, indigenous people, were told, they're all in harmony with the environment. And, you know, it's everyone thinks that, that this is like that they were living in some Disney cartoon before we arrived. Um, there are other native tribes, by the way, in this country who also enslaved other native tribes. The Vikings had a massive or I shouldn't say massive. There weren't that many of them, but had a longstanding practice of slaves and slavery. Um, this was the constant in human history throughout all conquest and warfare. But we're only supposed to talk about it in the context of America. Yep. And here's the context we hardly even talk about, Buck. The vast majority of slavery that took place in the United States was pre the United States. So from 1619 to 1783, until we became an independent country, arguably England would be on the hook for that 160 years or so. We only had slavery in the United States for 80 years. I remember when I was in the uh, the museum in Charleston that was originally a slave market that they've turned yes. now into a museum. There's a statistic that people, I think very few people know, 3% of Southerners, I believe, had 97% of the slaves. Hardly any Southern soldiers on a per capita basis in the Civil War actually had slaves. It's a tiny, tiny percentage. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.